Welcome to Frankly Speaking. This is a new podcast on responsible business by Frank Bold, the European public interest law firm. And I'm Richard Howitt. And after several years of debating these issues inside the European Parliament, I'm hosting our discussions of the latest political, legal and business developments in the field of corporate sustainability, business and human rights. Today, frankly speaking, welcomes Vim Bartels, member of the Sustainability Reporting Board, which is setting the new European standards for corporate sustainability reporting. And Vim is senior sustainability partner at the accountancy firm Deloitte, and formerly for 20 years uh, in another member of the Big Four KPMG, where he also led the sustainability practice. Vim is a good old friend and colleague, and when we worked together getting the major voluntary sustainability reporting frameworks to align in what was called the Corporate Reporting Dialogue, he was also a member of the Task Force for Climate-Related Financial Disclosure and is chair of the Sustainability Policy Group at Accountancy Europe. In his profile, Vim describes himself as, quote, being at the forefront of developments to come, unquote. Knowing Vim, I think that is actually true. <laughs> well, welcome, welcome to Frankly Speaking. Right. Uh, well, thank you, Richard. And, and good to hear you again in this uh, Frankly Speaking uh, podcast, first of all. Thanks for inviting. Let's go straight to the European standards. It's really an yes. exciting moment. Uh, congratulations on being appointed to the new um, Sustainability Reporting Board at EFRAG. Uh, just uh, to explain the jargon for new listeners, the European Financial Reporting Advisory Group, and this is the body that's setting the standards or advising and recommending the standards to the European Commission on what nearly 50,000 companies will have to report on sustainability under the new directive that, that's been passed. So before we get into to too much detail, just for people who are outside of the process, why are the European standards so important and what are your own aspirations for them? Yeah, well, uh, first of all, to put it in, uh, in in the wider context of the uh, of the European ambitions that I think uh, the, uh, the many will know of uh, the the EU Green Deal, the ambition to become a real sustainable economy is is the ultimate goal. Um, now, as part of that, um, the EU has has considered that disclosures would be of critical relevance to understand where we are and where we are heading to so that we can track progress um, and that also stakeholders can take their decision based on that information. And uh, yeah, then in terms of, um, of what should we do with the disclosures, um, for me, having worked in it for a long time, I have seen the non-comparability. Uh, to an extent, I like it. Every company is unique. But we also need some level of comparability to understand whether companies are on the right track, whether they uh, are taking action, whether they have included it in their governance. And therefore, my aspiration would be to get that harmonized whilst at the same time, and this is where the challenge is, not to, to overburden companies with only disclosure because... Disclosure is also really the end, if you like, of the process. So companies should do that as a result of all their actions and not stop there. So that is, yeah, that is my other aspiration to make it a balanced set of uh, standards. Yeah, and and let, now let's get into a bit more of the detail. The board has obviously started work, and the uh, exposure drafts of the of standards were actually prepared by a project task force before you came into being, but you've 
began looking at them, began looking at the public consultation which has taken place about them. And of course, the European Commission has set a timetable where it wants to publish the standards following your deliberations, following all the consultation as soon as November this year. So um, I know you're working and you and your colleagues are working hard on this. Um, can you give us some insight into how it's going? You know, what are the sorts of discussions you're having? Yeah, sure. Um, so, so the board um, consisting of uh, representatives from, from many perspectives, I'm representing a kind of the accountancy uh, profession. Um, the, uh, the, the, the different perspectives gives, uh, first of all, uh, great insights uh, from the various roles. So, for example, uh, those from from SMEs uh, are, in many cases, a kind of forgotten in this game because it's all about the large companies, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But we have an SME perspective uh, in the board. Um, I think uh, it is fair to say that um, the uh, the process is going as well as it can go, if I might say. He's smiling at that, folks. I see him. You don't, but I see him smiling at that. So that yeah. is, what's behind that, then? Go on, yeah. Give us a, a little I, I, bit of colour. It is very challenging in terms of, of timeline. Um, it, it, it means that, um, that, is, that we also don't have that much time to, to yet uh, think things over, to have initial discussions, to just see what this is all about. So everything goes at a very high a high pace, and, and that also uh, comes with uh, challenges in terms of uh, some board members who say, like, but we need to address the critical topics now, and others who go, like, but I need to understand the process, and others saying, but I need to have first an insight on what this is really all about. So we have different uh, <laughs> views in that regard. And uh, in terms of, uh, of, of content, uh, this is also coming from, from outreach events. Uh, there are some, uh, some serious concerns, I, I, I think, I have to say, topics we need to discuss. Uh, one of them relates to this is too much, right? Some say this is too much. Um, uh, at, at a minimum, we need a phase-in. Um, so a couple of years to, to get uh, companies to, to work on it and, and fully comply. Uh, others are also saying, um, and, and I'm one of them, which is uh, about materiality and uh, not so much the concept, right? The concept is good. We need to look at both the impacts of companies and the risks and that they face uh, for sustainability topics. But it's more like, how do we apply these standards? Do we need to re really report on all of this and then only uh, take out the ones that we can rebut as it is called within the uh, exposure draft or should we build up and say as companies define the material topics and that's what we report on. And that's all related to the burden of, uh, of reporting. That is where, uh, where, where real discussions are already uh, taking taking place and and those are a few yeah real fundamental points I think in the in in the standards. On that speed yeah. issue, it's obviously not just in the outreach events. It's generally you hear some in business, for example, the stakeholders in the European yeah. Securities and Markets Authority ESMA who say definitely slow it down a bit. Uh, although the the timetable is in the legislation now, it should be said with the first reports due as soon as twenty twenty four for those who are ready ready to do so but you get though that uh lobbying i suppose that it's going too fast yeah but you then also see lobbying that given the 
the 2030 Sustainability Development Goals. It's, it's gone backwards on some of those because of COVID. Given yeah. the fact that we are on the edge of failing on 1.5 degrees and the Paris Agreement, and we must move much further and faster. All the discussions around COP26 yeah. last year, for example, and we've got to move faster, not slower. Where do you personally stand on that? I have, um, of course, um, worked for a long time with, with companies and, and particularly larger companies. Um, so I know from that practice how difficult it is to implement any uh, indicator or disclosure element within a company if you have uh, more than one side, so to say. Um, um, and these large companies have, of course. So from that perspective, I completely understand the extension of the timelines from the perspective of the of the challenges that we face uh, i i'm with you right it needs to go as fast as possible and what i personally um uh what i'm personally in favor of is to to have the the timeline uh, as short as 2024 for those under the nfrd um for the other ones personally i would also have uh, required them to implement by 2024 because my concern is that many of these uh, non-listed company mainly will wait until 2024 and then say oh by next year i need to report now i need to do something and then we are really too late so um, uh, what i would uh, really encourage and let's see whether i can also propose that uh, uh, through the board discussions is to um, to uh, mandate by 2024-2025 as now required, but then encourage companies to to uh, adopt uh, as soon as possible, or uh, yeah, uh, as feasible is maybe a better word. That that is what I would really really propose. And of course, lots of those companies are listening to this podcast, so you've been encouraging them to do that uh, in the, in this very very discussion. Thanks for being as clear on that. Now we're obviously not going to get into very detailed draft by draft discussion on all the different standards <laughs> that, that have come out but just for our audience people there are cross-cutting standards and then their topical standards broken down into environmental social governance es and g and they range from everything from circular economy to workers in the supply chain to responsible business conduct so um where i think the, the reasonable question to ask you is where do you think there will be major changes or where do you predict there may be it's obviously a may maybe major changes in what ultimately gets agreed compared with the drafts we've all seen yeah um i, I think a couple of uh, a couple of elements first of all uh, this this rebuttable uh, presumption that we already touched upon uh secondly uh the um the uh, phasing in so uh, what may be uh, may come out of the discussions and the the, the, the consultations is to uh, mandate a limited number of disclosure requirements for all companies and then for others to uh, take these on board in years to come uh, thirdly uh, the application guidance uh, currently is effectively a disclosure requirement uh, it's stated like that and that conflicts, of course, with the with the, with the word of guidance. So, I, I think we really have to look into that because that makes it so uh, so detailed in terms of the requirements that that companies would have to to adhere to. So that may uh, may change. And then uh, also uh, with respect to uh, uh, to phasing in 
I think the the, the scope three, so the value chain uh, impacts in particular, will I think uh, see some change. Final point, uh, last not least, uh, is the the level of alignment with with further international standards. Of course, uh, in particular the the ISSB. Uh, there are just you know seemingly um, small differences. It's just a word here and there. It's just a term. But I think, uh, Richard, and you may reflect on that, we know from the corporate reporting dialogue that the same meaning with different words can really create significant issues, yeah. if I may say so, right? Yeah. yeah. You will, yeah. yeah. And, and uh, obviously, I wrote something earlier this year about the yeah. relationship between um, the European standards and the new emerging global standards under the International Sustainability Standards Board. Uh, one of the big differences between them, of course, is this double materiality of yep. the Europe adopts impact as well as uh, uh, financial impact on the company, impact on people and planet, and single materiality, which is ultimately about value creation for the company and has a greater financial lens. Mm. When I wrote about that, I said that perhaps it was less uh, an either or than it appeared to be at the time, and it will converge. So that's, you know, I'm published, and that's what I've said about yeah. it. Yeah. But there are different views about it. What's, what's your own view? I'm fully behind double materiality. Um, I believe that um, that for companies going forward, we're not only interested in their uh, financial performance and then the longer-term risk and or opportunities. We also need to understand where they have an impact on, on society, even if investors would not, um, would not value it yet, so to say. And there's even... I think a, a further argument for this is uh, if we don't report on the impacts, investors will never integrate it into their valuation because they won't they won't see it unless uh, physically the the effects become become apparent. So I really think we need to start as early as possible with the impacts, and with that also a bit educating the investors that some of these might turn out to be a risk on the shorter term than, than they may have expected or, or, or think of. Uh, yeah, so so I'm fully behind that, that double materiality concept, absolutely. And investors yeah. listening to Frankly Speaking, please note. Uh, let, let, let's just, uh, you mentioned it twice, this um, rebuttal presumption concept. It's, a, yeah. it's a, an in, a new invention of the European draft standards. Could you explain what it means as you understand it but also why you think it might change yeah so uh, first it it uh, it originates from uh, the financial reporting standards so uh, in financial reporting standards you have certain uh, standards on, on you know let's say in certain asset categories where within the standard you are required to to report on on certain elements but you may decide to rebut them if you think it's not relevant for your company. So that's where, where it comes from. And that has been a kind of transferred, if you like, to this concept. It, it works essentially like this. If you have uh, 100 requirements, then you need to report on all of these unless you think that certain of these 100 requirements are not applicable to you. They are not material. So therefore, uh, you, are, uh, 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 you are able to what is called rebut them. Um, and and then you have to explain why you that disclosure requirement is not uh, uh, is not material for you. That's 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 the concept, so to say. That's the approach. The concern with it, in essence, is uh, that uh, this would lead to a lot of uh, reporting about why companies do not report on certain elements. It creates a lot of work uh, because if you say 
for me, hazardous waste is not a material topic, for example, a material requirement. You need to explain why is that not important for you? And then you say, well, uh, because I don't have products with hazardous waste. Well, then you go, can you prove that you don't have products with hazardous waste? Or you get into a quite a difficult uh, uh, argument, I think. Um, and and then in the end, the question for the for the user is, and then so what, right? Does it really help you? Where if you have a good, that's an, that's an assumption here and a critical uh, condition. If you have a good materiality process, strong with good governance and controls, etc., then you'll get to the same result, but in a positive way. So that's, and that's the key, yeah, concern, if you like. Um, um, and and uh, objection also. Uh, so I would think that that is up for discussion. It is, um, and that it may change. Uh, I say this a bit cautiously, but I, I sense a lot of opposition uh, to that. Yeah, and of course, everything is that we're in the midst of the process. So um, yeah. I'm, I'm grateful you're sharing your views, and we can't say for certain. Now, now let's broaden this out to the, the accountancy profession. I think it is fair to say that you're one of the leading accountants in the world working on this subject. Uh, and you've, of course, closely tied into thinking amongst accountants through your role at Accountancy Europe. And again, you, on the one hand, you get the optimists who say that accountants are going to save the world. <laughs> and we've both heard that a few times in our life. And then we also have the skeptics often in business who think that this is just a job creating exercise for accountants and yeah. uh, they're going to just get more money out of this. Yeah. Uh, and so thinking specifically from what is the accountant's contribution and what is the accountancy perspective on all of this, how would you, how would you answer that? I'm I'm very pleased with the the the, the voice, if you like, of of the uh, represent, representative body for the European uh, accountants bodies, the Accountancy Europe, who says like we really believe that this is the next big thing for the economy, not for accountants, for the economy. Uh, having said that, um, uh, it's definitely not the case that all accountants across Europe and and, and uh, abroad are. Um, are let's say behind this concept uh, or understand it on just to be fair on that mm. um, so um, uh, I have some concern there that um, that we may not get to the result that we need which is accountants who help with uh, making sure that the information that goes out is uh, right relevant and complete uh, particularly relevant and complete is where the issue is I think um, the accountant's role, in my view, is to make sure that to in this standard setting process is to make sure that that they help with with looking into the criteria. Is it sufficiently robust? That is accountant's expertise. Um, and then after that, to make sure that the assurance standards that should come after this um, are sufficient to uh, to get to this, uh, well, accurate, but then relevant and complete uh, result. Uh, if accountants only, in the end of the day, would say, the information is correct, full stop, then I think we have not, we are not doing a proper job. We should take the role to, to talk to our uh, companies, our auditees, and say, yeah, this is great, but now your transition plan is not complete, right? You don't you don't have underlying investments. What are you going to do about that? Uh, to have that, you know, real uh, more business focused 
conversation, if you like. Um, so, so that is what what I would would hope we get the accountants profession uh, towards, and and it is a big challenge. I I, I should say that. Yeah. Let but, me pick you up on what you said there about assurance. So again. Mm. The surveys show that an increasing number of sustainability reports today are do get some form of third party assurance compared with very few, few only a short while ago. But I think it's fair to say that you're a trailblazer or a pioneer in this. You've, you've I think, undertaken assurance of um, sustainability reports for more than 40 European based multinationals. So that's a very, Correct. very big um uh, uh, portfolio of experience that you bring to this and yet this is new in the European legislation those 49,000 companies yeah. that are going to be covered by it they're going to need an audit um, as part of the, the process again some will say that you, there just aren't enough accountants today yeah. who have the skills to do this the European Commission would say it shouldn't necessarily be the accountants that, that are doing this and yet you get yeah. other people that say you know the big problem with sustainability reporting is quality, and whether it's it's at the right level for investors. Um, so one way or another, we have to crack that nut. Help us on on is that possible, and and uh, how will it be possible? Yes, there are too few accountants who who understand this. Um, far too few to to serve the forty nine thousand. My very personal view on this is. Um, the accountants will not get it right in the first year or years. We will have to be on a journey um, and uh, and over time uh, improve and learn on how to do this. Um, uh, we can't find the people. I know of several educational programs that want to focus on reporting and assurance and they can't find the teachers. And as you can imagine, they have invited me also to uh, help with that. <laughs> but I said, yeah, sorry, you know, I... <laughs> I have another job to do at this very moment. But folks, um, accountants will save the world. And just email Bartels um, and you Time is running very short, yeah, please, um, but yeah. I don't want us to end without talking a bit about, not about what we did in the corporate reporting dialogue, but it mm. was a, f a fascinating moment in history. Yeah. It was actually technical people working together. And we did get each of them internationally to align to the recommendations of the task force for climate related financial disclosure i'm deeply proud of that and, and you should be as well so we didn't think even three and four years ago that things would go as fast as they would today sasby the international integrated reporting council carbon disclosure standards boards they've all merged and merged yeah. into the global standard setting process we couldn't predict that at the time and i wonder looking back what was it that made this go faster I reflected on this and what what happened here? We were getting to know each other, we know each other's differences, etc. And it wasn't always an, an, an easy time, right? Um, but that sheer fact, I think, was important. Then, as you say, that bringing the technical people together and then realize that effectively we mean the same, we are there for the same objective has helped. And then, and that's where I think the, the real the drive uh, came from, um, uh, is this this pressure that we put and 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 I think also there you and I know that we brought in some external perspectives right we had people from the investors community we had people from the business community uh, all talking about uh, you need to converge you need to align we need one standard you know uh, probably in one minute this last answer but I must ask you so that that next 10 years bit how will it look different in 10 years time 
we will see much more understanding across companies uh, of the relevance of quality ESG, sustainability, whatever you want to name it, um, um, by the fact that companies have to work on it. Um, I, and this is partly a hope, but I think also that companies will then really start to take further action to the extent they didn't already. Um, I, I think we would also see a learning curve um, of the accountants profession. And finally, uh, I, I think we will also see uh, more uh, standards that have become, call it more defined than this first set to really uh, drive that, that comparability that would be uh, about my one minute, I think, uh, answer to this. Tim, it's been a huge pleasure, as always, to spend time with you and to share views with you. We've, I'm afraid, come to the end of our podcast. I would like to invite all of our audience to send us your feedback to franklyspeaking at frankbold.org and to share our conversation. You've been listening to Frankly Speaking, the Frank Bold podcast on responsible business. Watch out for our next episode and find out more about Frank Bold's Responsible Companies section on Twitter and LinkedIn. Thanks again to Vim. We'll see you all next time and goodbye.